The tournament is where Cinderella stories begin and big wins happen on the biggest stage. With Gambat DC, you could make your Cinderella story a reality. Take advantage of new player bonuses online and in app or play in person for boosted parlays. You can bet on all 63 games, even if your bracket's busted, and play from the edge of your seat with exciting in-game bets. Make your bets now with Gambet DC. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. Hey, everybody. It's uh, Rohelly here with Woodward Tigers live from Lansing tonight as uh, Chris and Yeeper are remote. Well, we're back in the normal studios. I'm here to watch Ty Batten pitch and uh, just kind of change it up a little bit. So right now... If you look at score right now, it is uh, it's tied at five right now in the it's like the top of the six right now. So I'm Rahel Chiles. I'm Chris Brown and Uber. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Art Media, Fitzler. And uh, gentlemen, how are you guys doing this evening? Really good. Yeah, not bad. Uh, you know, it's funny, you know, this is we mostly focus on the Tigers here, but uh, of course we also do the minor league stuff. And and I went up to see Dylan Smith last night. And I, and he had his worst outing of the year. And Rahelio went up to see Ty Madden today in Lansing, and he had his worst outing of the year. So, Scoobles' first pitch of the game, I believe, was his first home run of the, the season. So, yep, not great. Tigers have three hits. Let's see what happened here. Uh, so and he got caught stealing to end the inning. So, yeah, you know, it's it's been it's been uh, another kind of rough week. It's more of the same for the Tigers. They split a doubleheader with Pittsburgh, and, and if we're being honest. They, they probably did not deserve to win the first game. They, they benefited from multiple errors by the Pirates. Yep. Uh, and it's been more of the same. The bullpen finally uh, ran into a rough game there in the second game against the Pirates. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, it's, it's been solid starting pitching, great bullpen work, and zero offense. And it's I understand the Tigers fans are getting very frustrated, and it's totally understandable. Yeah, yeah at this point. Go ahead, Euphor. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're just kind of on this uh, endless loop right now. A lot of similar ball games. They're kind of on a similar path right now. They just kind of uh, have a, a a deathly look at the plate. Heating up from Candelario. You mentioned I, I uh, what he had three hits yesterday in the doubleheader. Maybe a couple doubles. He was hitting yep. the ball hard. It feels like he's pulling out of this, but we haven't seen those signs of scope yet. And I mean, this goes back to I remember Yup was was one of the few people saying he did not like the extension last year. And it came right on the heels of a, a super hot scope streak, yep. which is something he does. And it's something he probably will do again this year. But you also catch all these incredibly cold streaks, too. And we're in the middle of one right now, and it's just terribly timed. Well, you know, he's, he's taking a prime spot in the batting order, and he's not hitting. And, uh, yeah, you know, last year he was on, he was on something that, you know, for him is going to be a career month. And it kind of buoyed his numbers overall. Uh, into something probably a little bit better than what it really was. Um, and I just think that he's the kind of player, he's a fine enough player, and I'm not saying they should dump him right now, but to commit to him long-term, or even though there's only two years, you call it long-term, whatever. But I think he's the kind of guy, if you're building and you want to win, you got to challenge yourself to be better than Jonathan Scope. You know, and they didn't. They kind of settled for him. They went with the veteran moxie leadership angle and everything else. Um but that's okay. I think where they are now, though, they have to keep him in the lineup. I don't see Cody Clemens coming up and being significantly better. I mean, maybe a little, but uh, I think they have to ride it out with the fellas they have and um, see if they turn it around in May like they did last year. 
<laughs> yeah, we love our friends down there in Lansing. Jesse Goldberg's Rostler is, is is great. Okay. So I don't know. Was were you talking about Grossman? Were you talking about Robbie Grossman? Is that what was going on? I, there, but yeah, we, we we got the point you were making, which is a good one. And it was this kind of the same thing that we saw with catching, right? There weren't going to be any good catchers available, so the Tigers went and got Tucker Barnhart. Uh, and you know, people had some issues with him, and then he had some uh, nice little streak of getting on base, and, and that kind of went away for a little bit. Uh, I think the defense still seems a little bit overblown, other than other than uh, you know blocking the ball. But uh, yeah. It, it, uh, we thought, remember, we thinking that, that Scope was an ideal fit for the White Sox at second base, and they didn't trade for him. They traded for Hernandez. Yeah, and he's gone now, too. Yeah, basically. And then they well, and then they traded away Madrigal. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. That's, that's the one that still surprised me for them. But I just think that, you know, for Jonathan Scope, I would have taken whatever they could get, personally. Uh, you could have still re-signed them if you wanted to. Uh, he, he would have been a free agent. So uh, I, I know that rarely happens, but it could have happened. Um, but it's okay. He's here. That's what it is. And they made that decision. It, it wasn't the kind of contract that's going to sink the ship. Um, it's what, you know, how are they going to get incrementally better here through the month of May? And obviously, if he goes from hitting 150 to hitting even 250, uh, they would see some significant progress. <laughs> in bolstering the offense a little bit. And where is he going to find the contact? Because right now, half the time he swings, I swear he misses it by a foot. Yeah, and, and he's one of those guys who he actually, I believe, has the hardest ball in Tiger's history, at least since 2015. He's a guy who, when he makes contact, can make uh, do a tremendous amount of damage. It's just, it, we talked about it ad nauseum. Guys who swing at everything have these sorts of freaks. That's why I say someone like if you made it the playoffs, Jonathan Scope might be the MVP of your series because he might hit everything for a yep. four game stretch. Uh, but he might also go 0 for 15 with like 10 strikeouts. And it's just, it's uh, it's the Delman Young principle kind of. Where you no just, question. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they're on and they hit and sometimes they don't. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's kind of, as we said, I mean, the, the, the other guy who is seemingly not pulling his weight is Akil Badu. Although I, you get the feeling. And we, we go back to, uh, you know, Badu was crushing at the start of spring training and, and A.J. Hinch very early on noticed that he was kind of in between and he struggled and he's been struggling and struggling. And they kind of sat him and didn't play him much for a good week there. It felt like he only got into like two or three games mm -hmm. and uh, he got a start in, in the Pittsburgh doubleheader and he got the start tonight. And uh, I, I don't know if that is an indication that uh, Hinch and, and the coaches feel like he's coming out of it or if they just don't think that they have any other options, but um, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things where I, I'm not as concerned about Badu. I mean, maybe we should be, he's not making any hard contact whatsoever, but he's a guy who can still affect the game by walking. He's, we know he has a great eye yep. and he's going to walk a fair amount, at least at the league average level. And he can also cause some havoc on the bases. You know, he got caught stealing today, but he did steal a base the other day and he, uh, somebody pointed out that the um, he scored the winning run in that first game, and it was because of a great piece of base running where you know Robbie Grossman hit the sack fly to center field, yep. and everybody moved up. Badu tagged up from first and, and made it to second, and then scored on the second error. So, yep. I mean, there's things that he does that Scope doesn't do. I, I would argue that Scope's a better defender than Badu, but uh, I don't know if that's going to uh, you know help the offense at all, which seems to be the big issue right now. Well, yeah, Scope's, Scope's defensive numbers, last I saw, were very good in the early going. 
um, yeah. worth four runs or something, which I couldn't believe. It was pretty amazing. Um, I think Hinch is fishing and feeling around for some things right now. So I can see why, you know, Badu was going to get into the lineup after being out for a while, looking for something that might jumpstart them. Because as you mentioned, he has the unique skills within their clubhouse. Maybe he could, you know, if he gets on even just a mini roll for five games, jumpstart a few things for the club. Yeah. So in, in, as we speak, talking uh, down where, where it's, same old story here. The Tigers have uh, no runs, heading into almost done with the fourth inning. Houston only has one run, but um, yeah, it's uh, Tarek Skubal is pitching well again. He's a guy who I think um, we've seen some some very interesting things out of him. He, he's not. I, I was talking to Rahelio about this uh, kind of behind the scenes the other day, and, and Skubal has become a different pitcher than he was in the minors in, in, a, in a couple different ways. For one, when he was in the minors, he threw almost, you know, like 70% fastballs. Sure. And it was a devastating pitch for him because he had a really high spin rate. He's got the arm angle. It's, it's tougher uh, hitters to pick up on. Yep. But uh, and our buddy Brandon Day pointed out, I think last year, when after the sticky stuff was banned, nobody on the Tigers saw a bigger drop in spin rate than Tarek Skubal. And it's now to the point where it's below average, I believe, on his four-seamer. Mm-hmm. And I think he might be throwing more sinkers now than he was at four seamers, but he's, he's developed his other pitches. His changeup is looking really good. The slider and the curveball are both effective. And so he might not be this kind of dominant strikeout pitcher that we expected, but he's still going to get a fair amount of uh, swings and misses. And he's learning how to pitch. He's taking that step forward of all the young pitchers. He seems like the one who, who's really developing. Uh, and maybe that's unfair to Mize and Manning because they've been hurt for the last yeah. couple of weeks. But, but we thought we were going to see this coming from Scoobal. And so far, so good, really. I mean, he had one or two rough outings, but uh, he's pitched well. He's, he's done his job to keep the team in the games. He's definitely made adjustments uh, for keeping the ball in the park. Uh, you know, obviously he gave up a homer tonight, but uh, he, he doesn't throw the, the fat mistakes that he was making last year. You know, uh, you can see that uh, there's just some attention to detail that I think was missing as, you know, a year ago as a younger pitcher. Uh, and that should come with maturity. Uh, and, you know, maybe not relying on the fastball all the time. Uh, it's going to uh, expand the scope of his uh, Jim Price arsenal. And, um, <laughs> and uh, that could be very good for him moving forward. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I think that I don't know if there's any other uh, glaring issues going on with the team itself. Uh, we we talked about the bullpen having a rough day, but they've been so unexpectedly good that it's hard to complain about them at all. I think Raj had that great tweet um, about Michael Fulmer is is one of the first pitchers in I don't know how many years uh, to have had a 30 inning scoreless streak as a starter and a 20 inning scoreless streak as a, a reliever. I think yeah. that's it. I may have transposed those, but. Um, yeah, I mean, Fulmer has been excellent. We've seen Alex Lang continues to be really good. Uh, you know, every now and then his fastball gets hit. But other than that, he's, he's just wipeout stuff with the secondary issues. Uh, Jacob Barnes has oh, been a revelation. Barnes Cutter has been outstanding. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, it's such a bummer because it, it doesn't always feel like, you know, forever and ever and ever the Tigers couldn't get the bullpen. Yeah. They had the other aspects of their team. <laughs> and now they have nothing else, but they have this stellar bullpen. So, uh, well, I but, think uh, having you know having the expanded roster and having more pitchers around, you know, none of these guys have really had to pitch tired very often, and that's got to be a big help. And obviously, the run environment in baseball in general 
uh, is to their advantage right now. Yeah, and that's something that, that uh, we're definitely, I think, going to have to dig into more as the season goes along. Uh, what's going on in general with the, the baseball? I mean, I think, you know, we like to use advanced stats sometimes and expected batting average and stuff like that, but it's down across the board. I think the league yeah. batting average is 231. Uh, and so, I don't know, I'm getting so frustrated with the ball doing different things every single year. It's, it's, I can't imagine how the pitchers and the hitters feel. I think, who was it? Was it Chris Bassett who said the yes. ball was terrible? Yep. That, um, yeah, the, the, it was just like, man. It, and it's somebody else. I think it was the, uh, Meredith. I, I forget her for her last name. The, the woman who is always doing the, she's an astrophysicist and she's always checking out the balls. Oh, sure. Yep. She posted a picture of, of like Bobby Witt's first double and was pointing out how, poorly made the baseball was and how like unaligned the seams were. It was like, oh, geez, like what's going on? Wow. You know, I go back to last year at the Olympics when uh, Joe Ryan and a few others from Team USA were going on and on and on about how great the baseball was that they were using over there and that it was superior to anything that they use in the States. Um, they weren't using anything on their hands and they were getting a really great grip on it. Um and the ball itself uh, seemed fair, uh, in their opinion. I wish – it really doesn't seem like it should be that big of a challenge to fix this. <laughs> you know? And it's this yearly controversy. And it's going to happen again this year because yeah. if this run-scoring environment stays low and the warm weather doesn't perk up offenses, all of a sudden we're going to hear about rumors of bouncy ball coming back. You can, yeah, you can hear me. yeah, yeah, we can hear you. I don't see you, oh. but I can hear you. Okay, well, no, I was just going to say I, I decided to do it from my phone or, or just kind of a phone call. But, no, it's – there was an article that came out on Yahoo yesterday about the the, the difference in the balls and, and just terms of even – and on baseball savant, you can kind of look at where the Tigers are in terms of exit velocity, which is around – I think they're around 88, 89 as a team. But uh, it was – the Yahoo article went in a little dip detail about – the differences in how teams have been doing with the ball and the Tigers, you can blame again, the Tigers are batting as a team 231. And last year I was doing through 21 games. They had the same amount of hits, but the home runs were drastically different. I think the Tigers were over 20 home runs at that point. And this year at the time, I think when I tweeted, it was like eight or nine or something like that. And There's that the Wilson there. Ramos effect. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Jesse is singing the something he stretched over your Lansing, and behind him on the big screen is Dan Hasty with a bunch of sunglasses, a pair of sunglasses, just staring at the camera. <laughs> yeah, he likes to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Dan. Uh, yeah, our, a couple of our, our you know great uh, buddies up there calling the games. Dan Hasty for the Whitecaps and Jesse Goldberg-Strassler for the uh, the Lugnuts. Two uh, incredible generous dudes who are great announcers and it's fun hanging out with them for sure i don't what's is it still tied up there i haven't checked the score yeah it is uh actually it's still tied yeah but uh, no they shout out to those guys those guys are fantastic but the the other other thing i want to add you guys are talking about jacob barnes and i thought yesterday he did a really good job in the sixth inning shutting it down he doesn't have the the k numbers but overall i think the i like his way he's approached he goes right after the hitters and he's been a really pleasant surprise he gets ground balls and, I mean, I don't know if you guys have talked about the Alex Fado, because the phone kind of cut off for a minute, but uh, 
for his third start this year, I mean, he's appeared in five games, but for his third start, I know the numbers don't indicate, you look at you know, five innings, eight hits, two runs. Uh-oh. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that was a good point. I'm glad. Back there? Oh, man, it cut out again. Damn it. Yeah, we, yeah you're back now, though. But, yeah, that, that's a good point. I had forgotten we need to talk about Alex Fido. I mean, this is a former first-round pick, a guy who was making his major league debut. You were you were down there at Comerica and saw it. And uh, I don't know. I, I didn't see it. I was in Lansing, so I went and came home and watched it later. And just my initial uh, re- reaction was that he did – uh, he definitely held his composure out there, and we expected him to do as much. It, it, uh, he and Brisky are kind of similar in that regard. The guys, they just attack the strike zone, and they don't get too rattled. I will say that Fido almost looked like he was trying to play it too cool. It was like he wasn't having any fun at all. <laughs> like, like he was trying to reject the image that nothing was bothering him. And it, it, I don't think it was, but I don't know. I thought I, I wanted to see him, like, smile or react it a little bit. Um, but I also – I just think he did not have – his best stuff. Now, he's never been like a stuff monster uh, in pro ball, but he's got a really good slider at times. And, and it seemed to me that he just did not have feel for, for spinning the ball yesterday. And we got one strikeout and it was on a slider, but it was not a good slider. It was like a hanging slider at the top of the strike zone. Yeah. That just kind yeah. of, uh, you know, fooled the hitter, but he did, he, he showed, he threw a lot of strikes. Uh, again, he was not afraid uh, to, to challenge hitters and they, they hit him hard a couple of times, but, I don't know. I, I, you get the feeling that that managers at just about every level would prefer a guy who's going to pound the strike zone to somebody who might get a bunch of strikeouts, but it's going to nibble, nibble, nibble. Agreed. And I think that the nice, the, if you want to take something good away from it, and from me, it's that uh, he probably didn't have his best stuff. And I know that wasn't a great team they were facing, but he competed without his best stuff when he had to be nervous. Uh, and he hung in there and, you know, he kept him off the board. A couple of very nice defensive plays behind him. But, you know, that's baseball. You need you need some good defense behind you. So uh, I think uh, and I hope we see some more of Alex Fido uh, soon because, you know, the way this team is kind of shaping up, we might as well see what we have with those guys. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, we talked. We got, we got a second start from Brisky. We're going to get a, another from him. We probably will get another one from Fido. And and then beyond that, it's tough. You know, the Tigers have. I haven't, you know, been able to sit down and, and like sketch everything out. Other people have, because uh, so, it's their job. But uh, yeah, they're going to need. You know, they got a doubleheader with the A's coming up after this four-game series with the Astros. And what is it? Seventeen games in fifteen days, or something like that. So they're going to yeah, need. Yeah, it's like thirty-five see- games in thirty-three days. We may see Joey Wentz, even though he's he's kind of, uh, you know, he hasn't even finished five innings at all in, in Toledo this year. They didn't let him. He was he he could have in his most recent start, which does indicate that perhaps they're going to bring him up, because um, he had he had struck out seven guys in a row at yeah. one point, and then and then gave up a, a bunt single and then a walk and then a two run double. But um, he's he's kind of he's the basically the kind of pitcher I was referring to. He's he's a guy who's going to get strikeouts, but also randomly throw four consecutive balls and, and it's for annoying way. <laughs> I don't know why, uh, you know, what, what it is about him. I think maybe he's just a big tall kid who, who doesn't have full coordination, but we may see Alvin Rodriguez again. He got hit up pretty uh, badly today, but all hands on deck really at this point. And, and it, I don't, well, go ahead. It'll be interesting with the, with the, you know, going back, scaling back the roster to 26. Uh, if they have to go to a Wentz and some of these other guys, uh, 
You, you think they're going to go with 12 position, 14 pitchers? They almost have to, I think, to get through this stretch of the games. Yeah, I would I would assume so. And I think, you know, it's supposed to be 13-13. They waived I do it, think, right? Yeah, I think so. But I don't know how long they did it. But I, I think maybe just for the – yeah. But for the time being, yeah, I, I think they have to just just to survive. And, and uh, we did see that Mize and Manning are throwing bullpens down in Lakeland, I believe. So – they should be coming back eventually. I, I don't know. I mean, the Manning thing has been kind of curious because it was just wasn't supposed to be a big deal, and then suddenly he's down in Lakeland and, and ramping back up. So I don't know. But but yeah, you would you would hope that those guys are both back by the end of the month. But for the next couple of weeks, it's gonna just just gonna be uh, Johnny Holstaff, as they say in uh, what in college, right? Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, I don't know if there was anything else to touch on with the Tigers players uh, per se. We we did have the big news that kind of had Twitter in an uproar right before the game. I don't know if it, that's going to be in part of your segments there, you. But uh, we can we can hit it now. That's fine. We can we can talk about it right now. So so yeah, I mean, the, the, AJ Hinch apparently was talking to the Houston media, and AJ Hinch still lives in Houston because that's where he was managing for what five years. Yep. And uh, you know he's still a relatively young guy, so he was kind of settled in there. Was probably figuring that. They had an awful lot of success that he was going to be there for a long, long time. So his family's still there, but now he coaches in Detroit. And he's basically told the Houston me, nice to be back home. <laughs> like, I like it here. I was planning, like, I, you know, going to Detroit. It's the first time I've been working away from home. And Tigers fans got upset by that sentiment. Um, like I said, I, I, I've got some thoughts on this, but we can save it for the segment if you have some thoughts too, do you? Well, I just think that um, obviously a certain segment of, of the fan base will overreact, and that's fine. I don't blame them because uh, he sure sounded like someone who missed being at home. <laughs> and, you know, people are going to talk and talk about uh, his ability to opt out at some point uh, and what's going to trigger that. Um, and I don't know. I can't imagine he goes back to Houston. I'd be pretty surprised. But I guess anything is possible if, if uh, Dusty retires, if he hangs him up. Uh, that'll be the talk is, uh, you know, how, how much do they want to put the, the bad old days of the, of the trash can in the past and, and reunite with Hinch? Yeah, I mean, and, and, and you wonder what kind of relationship, if any, A.J. Hinch has with the Houston owner. That's who fired him. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, Jeff Luna who fired him. He fired both of them after after the suspension. And... I, I imagine if I'm AJ Hinch, I, he, he probably understands that to a certain degree, but he probably also feels kind of resentful that, you know, the the, the report didn't really implicate Hinch. It just said, you know, you should have. It was basically the, the lack of institutional control. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I don't really blame Jim Crane for firing him either. So I, I just, you know, maybe a couple of years time would would reconcile that. But I also I think, I don't know. I think he's okay fine in Detroit you know he's he's managing maybe things don't work out this year and he moves on maybe things work out great and uh he sticks around but like I don't know I don't, I don't think Tigers fans should necessarily be so up in arms I, I think I, I agree if you if you were to to look at the players and find out where they live I I, <laughs> I imagine what 90 percent of them do not live in Michigan or Detroit we got Eric Haas he's from here <laughs> and I'm sure some guys have homes here, but like, you know, they live where they live. A lot of them live in Florida or Arizona or California. Lives in like Tennessee or Georgia. Like yep. people live where they want to live and they're very rich. We have 
But we talked about it before. Adam Eaton, former Major League Baseball player Adam Eaton, is my neighbor here in Michigan. He's not <laughs> from Michigan. He's from Ohio, I think. But he lives here because he wants to. So, I, you know, it. Wow. I don't think it's that 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 big of a deal that that AJ Hinch lives in Houston and is managing here in Detroit. It, you, you know, the fans you are going to put a lot into it. But if they were if the Tigers are fifteen and eight right now, this would be a non-story. Right. Uh, if well, so let's see how the rest of the summer plays out. Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson, if they start to have, you know, in midsummer, they start if they did start to get on a roll, the pair of them, uh, that would cover up a whole lot of sins on this roster, you know. So uh, and that would make the future look a lot brighter than it does sitting here on uh, Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, it is Cinco de Mayo, isn't it? Not, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's the other thing. You know, Torkelson continues to kind of struggle in a way that, oh, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't think fans were prepared for. We tried to prepare them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it, we're also just as guilty from doing all the, the highlight clips of him hitting home runs and, and things like that. that you, know, we say, you can say it a thousand times. Hey, the Major League Baseball is very, very hard. And yep. it's a huge step up from the minors. And but people see the stats, and that's why we get a thousand comments a day. If we post a Cody Clemens triple or a home run, bring them up, <laughs> bring them up because, yeah, yeah, oh, there is, yeah, the yeah, that's good. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I, I we can we can go ahead and get to the segments now if we would like to. I don't know if uh, you guys have your inside the numbers, sure. Uh, we can't play the music, so just pretend, uh, you know, that the music is playing. There well, it is. Oh, Helio's dancing to the music. Roger's dancing, man. I like it. Yeah, but uh, you, what's what's your inside the number? My numbers are two, uh, 393, 393, and 0.390. Okay, the first one, 0.393, that is Austin Meadows on base percentage. Okay, which phenomenal, off the chart, yeah. looking good. Unfortunately, that second number, the 390, is the slugging percentage, and I. I would hazard to guess none of us would have uh, thought he'd have a higher on base than slugging at this point. <laughs> so um, he's pretty deep now into his season without a home run. A um, couple, he might have, you know, Comerica might have cost him one or two, but um, he just really hasn't hit a lot of deep flies. But he's getting on base. He's doing a great job there. Five extra base hits out of his 23 so far. Uh, a couple triples and three doubles. Um, I think he's looking great at the plate. I don't think there's a huge power discrepancy in terms of he's lost it. I'm sure he will get on a roll here at some point this summer, and uh, his his home run number will kind of catch up to where he's been in the past. What I'm interested in seeing, uh, he's at a career-high walk rate right now, and his strikeout rate is well below his norms. I mean, he's at like 13%, uh, and he's usually been in well into the 20s uh, for most of his career. And I, I don't think he's going to stay at 13 but I'm just wondering, you know, is there some kind of approach uh, that he's taking that's cutting uh, cutting the K's down and maybe you know, that cuts his power back a little? That's a, yeah, that's a good question. That's something probably worth delving into. You know, I was joking that basically he just uh, – he took Isaac Paredes' bats. They switched yeah. uh, gear. And so he has <laughs> he's, – he's hitting and getting on base like Paredes with zero power, just like Paredes. But uh, – I don't know. I don't Roger, you there? Do you have an inside the number, or are we going to skip you today? Uh, okay. Well, if he has one, we can come back to him. I have uh, two. Mine are two. Okay. And, uh, oh, yeah, he, he just texted me about it. Okay, I can read I can read Rogelio's. 
How about that? So, is inside the number for today is, uh, well, the number I guess would be four. How about that? Okay. It's uh, so, it's so far, uh, it's it's about Tarek Skubal's changeup, which we kind of mentioned is, is getting better. He said, so far this season, it has jumped from 28.5 inches of movement, I assume vertical movement, mm -hmm. to 32.5, which is 8% above the league average. That uh, that pitch, along with his slider and sinker, has generated negative run values. Batters are hitting just 167 against it. Uh, granted, last season, batters hit 176 against it, so it's been a good pitch, mm -hmm. but he is throwing it more. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's um, sequencing it better, too, so it's it's becoming a better pitch for him overall. You know, it's, it's pitching now, right? It's not just stuff. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, that's a good one. So that's good to see. And that's, it goes to what we talk about with Scoobles kind of, uh, a, a heady pitcher who's always trying to get better and, and, and a fiery competitor, I guess, more of like a quiet fire, not like a Max Scherzer insane. Don't talk to him when he's on the mound fire, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. And so Scoobles always tinkering and trying to get better. And that's a good sign. Four inches, four more inches of vertical movement is, is nothing to sneeze at. That's, uh, more than a full baseball. Yeah, that sounds significant, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so so back to mine. My inside the numbers are 2 and 2.46. Uh, 2 is the number of wins for Detroit Tigers starting pitching this year, <laughs> which is the second lowest in the majors behind the Pirates starters who have zero somehow. Wow. I, I don't really know what that's going on. but uh, And this kind of harkens back to something Rogelio mentioned early in the show about the, the Tigers not scoring the first three runs. That 2.46 is the run support per nine innings for Tigers starters this year, which is wow. by far the worst in baseball. 2.46 runs per nine innings for starters. The Reds, who we will remind you are 3-22 and 22 this year, <laughs> are the second worst at 2.97 runs per nine. A half uh, a run difference. Half a run better than the Tigers. Wow. Um, and the Giants are tops in baseball at 6.39, almost four runs better. So for whatever reason, the Tigers' bats – are not scoring early at all and barely scoring late. And, and I wish I had answers for anybody. Uh, it's just a bizarre thing going on this year. And I don't know how much longer they can survive like this and how much longer um, – I, I, I've talked about it before, and, and I don't think A.J. Hinch is this sort of manager to make a rash hiring decision. But at some point, if the, the players ain't hitting – yeah. You can't change the players for the most part. You you might have to get a new hitting coach uh, involved. And I like I like I said I, I we're not inside there. We don't know what Scott Coolbaugh is doing. We don't know what Mike Hesman is doing. Uh, but right. if the message isn't getting through, you you kind of have to make a move. But we talked like Jim Leland wasn't necessarily a guy who would randomly fire coaches too. But it, he he did it multiple times. I think usually with a pitching coach. It seemed like uh, so. Uh, yeah, it's still still early in the season. We're still like if they had started on time, they'd still be within April, the first month. But uh, yeah, something's got to give soon. No question. So we can uh, we can move along to our good, bad, and ugly now. Uh, this is another one. I, I don't know. Maybe Riley will text me. If not, <laughs> uh, if not, I guess I can go first. If you uh, go for it. If you cool that. So uh, this one, it's painful for me to talk about, but my good. Uh, today is New York baseball, and uh, no one likes to hear this, but uh, they're playing awfully good baseball with the Big Apple right now. The Yankees are they 18 are. and seven. I think they had an 11 game winning streak. Yep, uh, it was just snapped. The Mets are 18 and nine. 
the Mets have scored 120 runs. The Yankees have scored 119. And we'll remind you, the Tigers have scored 72. <laughs> and the Mets have a 3-2-1 a team ERA. The Yankees are the best in baseball, I believe, at 2-6-0. Just uh, yeah, tremendous baseball there in New York and, and uh, tremendously annoying for anybody who's not a New York baseball fan, I assume. You know, the Mets support that ERA, and they haven't had Jacob deGrom. Yeah, it's – it's. Uh, yeah, the Mets have been and playing really well, and, and the Yankees, like we said, you know, they're just just scoring in bunches, and I don't know. It's uh, but we all remember, you know, the, I I can't remember how many different stretches the Yankees went on last year. It seemed like oh, they're missing the playoffs. Oh, they've won fourteen in a row. Like yeah. <laughs> maybe that'll happen again. Uh, maybe not. But uh, baseball's well, funny like that. Well, I'm interested to see if Aaron Judge has made the leap. You know, is 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 this the MVP year? Because he's certainly off to a start. He got nine homers. And- yeah, you know everybody saw that great uh, video of the uh, you know, hit him hitting the home run in Toronto and the the fan giving it to the kid in the Yankees jersey and it was like oh yeah. Canadians are so nice. Then I saw somebody else who took the video and put it in reverse. Yeah, he captioned it as like heartless fan steals a ball from a fan. I was like oh that's great. Yeah, was, take that. Oh. Uh, so so my bad. I'm gonna stick in the AL East for now and uh, and it's Randy Rosarena who uh, we may remember as the American League Rookie of the Year last year. And also, oddly enough, like, you know, the playoff hero of 2020. He's one of the greatest playoff performers of all time. Yeah. Uh, but he's also, he's another one of those guys who kind of swings a lot at everything and will go through these streaks. And so far this year, it's been a very, very bad streak for him. He's hitting 213 with zero home runs through 24 games, 4% walk rate, 27% strikeout rate. Oof. Very little power to speak of in general. He does have four steals, but but he's at a 77 weighted runs created plus in a negative three WAR, negative 0.3 WAR. Um, and again, this is a guy who I expect will will pick things up later, but that's certainly not uh, not what the Rays were hoping from. You know, one of their young star outfielders. So that's kind of bad. It would be interesting to do a study of the the career longevity of the free swingers like him. Yeah, you know, I mean, there are there's the the every now and then there's the unicorn like uh, like Vlad Guerrero yep. who uh, swings at everything but makes hard contact at everything. It, and Javier Baez is kind of in that mold. He just doesn't make nearly as much contact, but he makes enough hard contact that he's he's had this solid career. And of course, we saw we didn't talk about it, but he he made some spectacular defensive plays this week that uh, kind of remind you, like, yeah, okay, this is this is good. Yeah, this will work. He, he gets some timely hits. And strikes out a ton, but makes great defensive plays, then then we're good. Um, but yeah, that's another, it, it would be interesting to kind of have to go through and define what makes this type of player because there are guys like this back in the day, but even back then they were striking out like 15% of the time because whatever, yeah. you know, not everybody was throwing 97 miles an hour with 42 feet of break. Yeah, Jack Morris is throwing his, his heater at 89 and that was considered yeah. hard. Pitch the contact, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so, so my ugly is, uh, and we're gonna. It's gonna be hard to not talk about the Reds every week in our <laughs> ugly categories. But uh, I did feel like we needed to talk about Hunter Green's outing today. And Hunter Green, of course, is you know was one of the most highly touted high school pitchers of all time. The other day, he set the record for most 100 mile an hour pitches in a game, I believe. Uh, but today, he had one of the most uh, unreal pitching lines I've ever seen. 2.2 innings, nine hits, eight earned runs, one walk, seven strikeouts, five home runs. Ooh. So, yeah, I don't know how many batters he faced. 20, 30, 25, five home runs. I, I looked it up. It's the 21st time in Major League history that a player has allowed five home runs in three innings or fewer. <laughs> uh, and, but 
he had by far the most strikeouts in such a game. Uh, the previous record holder in such a game, Denny McLean in 1971. Wow. When he was for Washington. Three innings, five run runs, five strikeouts, five home runs. Um, was Ari Jake Dickey Anderson. on the list against the Tigers? Uh, now, let's see. Okay, well, I'm looking at the date. Uh, we've got Ari Dickey is not on here. I do remember that game that you're talking about. It was 2006. Yeah. Uh, I have to go back and look. It, he may have lasted longer than three innings. He might have, yeah. Uh, but the, So the, the most recent is actually Chase Anderson, who is pitching for Toledo this year. <laughs> he did it in 2020. Stephen Brault, also 2019. Mike Fires, 2019. Annabelle Sanchez for the Tigers did it in 2017 against the Baltimore Orioles. Three innings, 10 hits, eight earned runs, one walk, two strikeouts, five home runs. Wow. So it's actually happened quite often since, uh, you know, in the last decade or so. Uh-huh. But before that, uh, yeah, you have to – it didn't happen very often. Steve Stone did it once. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's an ugly one. And uh, I don't know – they're saying hundred kids fastballs mighty straight. It is, and that's that's you know it's one hundred and two or whatever, but it doesn't do anything. And and the, the Reds pitching staff as a, their staff ERA is six point seven three. Mm. The the next worst in baseball is the Nats at four point eight nine. And as we were talking about, this is a six point seven three ERA in a year where the offense is incredibly down across the board. <laughs> yeah, this, this might be the worst pitching performance of all time. So so that's my ugly. I don't know. What do you, what do you got you? Uh, for me, uh, under good, I'm going to go back to the Yankees as well, but a little bit different. You know, as, as an amateur umpire, I probably pay more attention to umpires than I should. Uh, I was really pumped the other night when the sniveling little weasel Aaron Boone went out there, and there's no one who looks worse, who makes the, the worst faces at umpires than that guy. Uh, he was on Marty Foster, and it was during a um, uh, Aaron Judge at bat. And he was really giving it to him, and he was dropping f bombs in his face, and he was he was looking to get run, and he did. Um, but Foster, to his credit, so many umps will just kind of sit there and take it. He got back in his face, and that's not always a good thing for an umpire to do to escalate. But there are times where you got to do it, and he was dropping f bombs right back in Boone's grill. And as an umpire, I was saying bravo. It was it was a good performance. Uh, he shut Boone actually kind of shut up for a minute. Uh, that's how good of a blue streak Foster was swearing there. So <laughs> I thought that was an excellent moment. I do have I have two, two umpire uh, questions for you. Uh, one of them I'll, I'll say for a little bit later. But uh, I was curious about your thoughts about the 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 umpire and the Madison Bumgarner uh, hand caress uh, thing yesterday. Did you see that? What was going yes, on? Yes, I did, and that was very just. First off, the, whatever the eyes the, the eyes he was making on him was bizarre. I mean, it's like he didn't blink. You know, it, it was strange. I think definitely he was. And I won't say all umpires are angels, you know. I think he was trying to provoke a response from Bumgarner. Maybe they've had a long running battle over the years because let's face it, Bumgarner can get pretty salty, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so I wouldn't doubt the umpire was trying to get him. Uh, a little ticked off and it worked and it was weird. Uh, I got to believe the league offices got on the phone with them saying, what the hell was that? You know, they, they certainly can't want because they were showing uh, comparisons of what other umpires are doing with pitchers, just giving their hand a quick little once over and they're done. And instead of the, the, you know, the, the massage that he was getting, it was very strange. 
So uh, you're bad. Oh, my bad. He's sorry. Um, well, we talked about it. It was hinge the hinge comments. Yeah. Uh, so we can kind of we put that to bed. They're bad only because of the. Uh, it's going to get people roused up a little bit. I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's necessary. I think let's just hold off on that until late in the summer. See where we are. See where the team is. Uh, my ugly. Going back to the Casey Mize draft. Um, that year, I was on board with Casey Mize to be the number one overall pick. But a good friend of mine asked me, if it was you taking this pick, who, who would you take? I said Jared Kalanick. Okay? Uh, I liked Kalanick. Some of it was a, a silly part. Was I saw him in person here in Wisconsin, in, in Iowa, when he was an amateur at a perfect game tournament. I didn't up the game, but I watched a couple innings. I didn't even see him bat, but I saw him standing in the outfield. <laughs> so he was my guy and I'd watched a lot of tape on him um, video and so on I really liked the bat and I liked left handed hitters I hope I was hoping they'd go with him um, now here he is you know Mizey's out hurt um, and Kellenick is for the second straight year struggling pretty badly uh, he's 9 for 71 right now hitting a buck 27 and the bad part about it is it's not a good 127. He's not hitting a hard 127. He's not hitting much of anything. He's hitting a lot of uh, soft outs in the infield, uh, lazy fly balls. Um, and, you know, obviously he's still young. I wouldn't give up on the guy, but uh, he's having a very, very ugly start to his career. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. I was – sort of thinking along the same lines with you, but just about the 2018 draft in, in general, because it's it's kind of, it's interesting to think back. And this was, what, what I was thinking about was, you know, as Fayetto made his debut, that the, the Tigers used their first uh, pick in the draft on pitchers four years in a row, 2015, mm -hmm. Bo Burrows, 2016, Matt Manning, 2017, Alex Fayetto, 2018, Casey Mize. And, uh, you know, Mize has shown flashes and, and as has Manning, but you could make the argument that, the Tigers used four first-round picks on pitchers, uh, and none of them have above-average major league stuff. Yeah, um, you know, Mize hasn't struck guys out. Manning hasn't struck guys out. Fido only struck one guy out, but Burroughs was already released. Uh, and, and what I'm thinking is, 2018 might have been kind of an inflection point for when develop player development took that that leap forward. Because if you look at the best pitchers out of that 2018 draft class, mm -hmm. you've got uh, Tarek Skubal, a ninth rounder. Joe Ryan was a seventh rounder. I think Tyler McGill, uh, uh, you know, Rasmussen, all these dudes picking like six, seven, eighth round because suddenly player development and pitch design has gotten so much better that these guys who you would traditionally pick up top, yeah, uh, their stuff isn't nearly as good. And uh, so it's just kind of fascinating. In that whole draft, you know, I, I wanted – and this was not – like I wasn't pounding the table or anything. I was fine with my – but I, mm -hmm. I was saying – I kind of think they should take Alec Bohm because ah. just history tells you that college third basemen uh, are the safest and generally best picks at uh, in the top five. And sure. Bohm is not really, he's not a great third baseman at all. And he had a decent 2020 and a, a really bad 2021. And he's off to a hot start again this year. He's not uh, any better than Mize really by war or anything like that. And it, because he's a, he's basically a third, first baseman playing third base without a ton of power. It's not great. But then, like you said, Kelnick was up there. Uh, Nick Madrigal is a guy who doesn't hit the ball hard, doesn't hit the ball in the air. But he got, he got hurt. 
at Oregon yeah. State. Yeah, it, it, it sat it, out a lot. Yeah, he broke his hand, I believe, uh, yep. sliding into home. It's just, it's just looking back, it's not the 2017 draft isn't very good. Although Kyle Wright seems to be taking this hugely forward now, but uh, the 2018 draft doesn't look all that better either. So I don't know. It's, it's you can you can extrapolate that out and say that uh, you know rebuilding is what a lot of people have said. You know, rebuild, rebuilding to the draft is not necessarily a great idea. Now, now we do the Tigers do have Torkelson, they do have Green. They, we've seen Bo Brisky. They've made some some nice uh, picks there in the draft. But like I said, those top four pitchers, you might not get a whole lot out of them. And hopefully Mize and, and Manning come back and, and have long careers and Fido can find a role. But, uh, you know, we're, we're four years four years down the road from the, the last of them, and Tigers are still scrambling for pitching. So I, I don't know. But uh, that's just an addendum ugly, I guess, for me to tap on, on, your, uh, on your effect. I don't know if uh, – I don't know if Raj is still with us. If he has a good, bad, and ugly, or if he's going to hold off for uh, for next week, but we do have a bunch of questions, so oh, let's do it. Unless he pops in here, um, so let's uh, let's we'll start with the first one. Steve Butts, the uh, the struggles of this offense are likely going to be their undoing in 2022. There's definitely room for correction with Candelario on scope. Other than the arrival of Green, where else is additional offense going to come from for this team moving forward? So uh, I don't know, you want to touch on that. Well, I mean, we talked about um, Meadows showing a bit more power. I think that's a safe bet, judging by his track record. Um, you know, he said 33 homers one year, 27 another. Uh, he's got zero right now. So I, you know, is he going to be – you think he's at least a 20-homer guy when it's all said and done? I would feel safe putting 50 bucks on it. <laughs> I probably wouldn't go much further than that. Um, but, you know, I, so I think there's some offense to be tapped there. Um Boy, you know, does Eric Koss have a little bit of a hot streak in him to add a little bit of power? You know, he had 17 homers last year. Uh, can he come up with a dozen over the course of the summer? Maybe. Uh, but, no, I think it, it just boils down to, to Candelario and Scope, number one and number two. You know, does Miguel Cabrera have any kind of magic left? I kind of think not. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, he just doesn't seem to have legs anymore. Yeah. You know, he's still, still a smart hitter, can still poke a single, but it is, it does, it feels odd. The guy that large does not have any kind of power yeah. left, but it just doesn't seem, you know, it, it, I think part of it is that, you know, we, we talked, we compared him to Pujols many times and, and Pujols was very, very strong and a great hitter, but Cabrera was just a, a hitter, yeah. a great hitter who happened to be strong enough to hit a lot of home runs. And now he's a great hitter who doesn't have legs. And so he's just hitting the ball on the ground or short line drives. And uh, I, I think, you know, I, I we touched on it earlier. I, I don't want to get people's hopes up for Torkelson too much because baseball's hard. But he's a guy who we saw multiple times last year go through stretches where he was swinging through everything. And then for a few weeks would get incredibly hot and just hit everything. Mm-hmm. And I think he's fully capable of doing that at the major league level too, because he's just like, as we touched on with Badu, uh, Torkelson has a very good eye at the plate. His issue right now is kind of swinging and missing at stuff in the zone. Uh, and maybe that's a timing issue. Maybe I don't think it's a pitch identification issue because he lays off a lot of close, close pitches. So I think that will get corrected to some degree. I don't know. You know, I've maintained that he's going to hit like, you know, between two thirty and two fifty, but that was before the entire league hit two thirty. So maybe, He's more like a 220 hitter, but I do think he's going to start hitting for more power. So, uh, I don't know, we, we can see. I mean, that's, yeah, it, it's, 
There's I not a ton of I predicted he would hit 26 homers. I'm not feeling too good about that right now. Yeah, no, I'm not either. I mean, I, I thought that he might break the Tigers record for doubles for, for rookie. I think he's got one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't um, I don't know. Rogelio did send me. He just now he sent me. Uh, is good, <laughs> which is Taylor Rogers. He's been a good pickup in keeping the Padres competitive. So that's nice. Yeah, Taylor Rogers, the the closer, I believe that, or former Minnesota closer that they got. Who'd they switch? Uh, uh, Chris Paddock. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's uh, I don't know. And we we've touched. Uh, we talked about Joe Ryan. He's been awfully good too. But uh, not to weasel in on Rogelio's thing. Um, let's see. I'm just uh, he sent me. Uh, he said corrected has worked well for both teams. So there you go. Uh, I'm no, I think that's okay. I think I have all the questions that, uh, people, I was just kind of pulling them off Twitter here. Sure. Oh, the bad, <laughs> the reds and the ugly is the reds. I think that's appropriate. <laughs> I think that's appropriate. We may just, uh, just call it the red section Yes. until, I mean, people have been posting about how they, they have a worse record right now than the 2003 Tigers did at the same time. They have a worse run differential. They are one in 20 since their, uh, COO. Went out there doing his, uh, you know, yeah, you know, Bruce Valanche act. Um, <laughs> Bruce Valanche. I what's, what's he up to these days? Um, don't know. So, <laughs> but yeah, we, we did get some more questions, so we can uh, tip on it. A lot of them are kind of along the same theme, unfortunately. Uh, so, Deadly Ninja Beast said, "Torque and Badu can't hit fastballs right down the middle. Is this just a timing issue or something more sinister?" Uh, and then he said, who was the second baseman of the future? I like scope, but we need consistency at the plate to take the next step. Um, and I had just actually, it's something that I had been uh, researching a little bit for Torkelson specifically about pitches down the middle. And he is among the league leaders in swings and misses plus fouls on pitches right down the middle. Hmm. But that doesn't necessarily tell you much because everybody else in that leaderboard, almost everybody else is a very good hitter. It's like, you know, you get like Matt Olson and, and you, just a bunch of Yazi Albies, a bunch of quality major league players. I think uh, I think maybe at times, uh, sometimes the perfect pitch is is what gets guys out because they're not looking for it. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of mental aspects to it. But uh, and I haven't looked at, at Badu for that, but we had we did have another question that uh, said, uh, if, you know, a host divided said, is it just anecdotal or are the boys swinging through more hittable pitches this season than previous years? Feel like I've watched every player swing through 90, 91 mile an hour fastballs in the heart of the plate. It does feel like that, and and I think it probably is anecdotal. But I can I can do some research real quick if uh, you if you want to talk about the second baseman of the future in the organization because I'm not sure where it is. <laughs> well, I can talk. Yeah, a couple of those a couple of those topics. Uh, second baseman of the future. Well, I mean, obviously somewhere Ryan Kreidler fits in on the infield. Uh, is he a second baseman? I don't know. Uh, we probably, probably people are leaning more toward the left side of the infield for him, but, uh, no reason why he probably couldn't slide over there. Um, on Torkelson, I'm really interested to see, you know, it seems to me last year when he started really taking the ball to right field, really a lot, taking the ball to right field um, we saw a lot of good things start to happen for him. I, I would love to know, I, I would obviously, love to know obviously, how much is he trying to go to right, trying to go to right at this time? Uh, and if that happens, you know, will will his production start to pick up? Uh, I don't think he's necessarily trying to jerk everything to the pole field, but uh, I'm not sure what his approach is right now. The last last few few games, he's just kind of um, he's taken a lot of pitches, and some of that is good, and some of it isn't. Um, but I think really just kind of 
chalk it up to being a rookie, you know, and kind of learning the league and uh, facing a, the ultimate level of competition for the first time. Um, he's another one. Just keep keep him in there and see where we are in, in July and August. There will be bodies, but I don't know. I don't know. Second base is traditionally just kind of a position that, that guys go to. I think Jonathan Scope was a shortstop coming up through the minors and moved over yep. to second because he didn't quite have the range. And that could be Kreidler. That could be Gage Workman if he figures out how to make enough contact. It could be Cody Clemens. It could be Colt Keith, uh, although we'll talk about that more in a little bit. Um, it could be Christian Santana. I, I think a lot of people think he's a future second baseman. Uh, he hit a second home run the other night, but he's also hitting like 170 in low A as the youngest player there. So let's pump the brakes on that a little bit. It'll be Winslow Perez. I think most people have given up on him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it could be all that. But I, I tend to agree with you, Raj. I think if the Tigers are ready to compete at some point, they're going to get a second baseman from elsewhere because none of these guys screams like future above-average player to me. Make the same case with uh, with Workman, too, that, that his arm is too good. But, but Workman, yeah, who knows if he's going to hit enough. Uh, I do have – a, a slight answer for uh, if the Tigers are swinging and missing more. At least uh, I haven't done run the whole thing uh, for, for the last few years. But right now, the Tigers are swinging and missing or fouling off pitches in the strike zone 19.9% of the time, which is the fifth most in baseball this year. Uh, fifth highest in baseball, I should say, behind the Reds, the Braves, the Red Sox, and the Rangers. And those are... Four teams that are either very bad or underperforming very badly right now, and the Tigers. So they fit right in that. Uh, but now I'm going to look. Yeah, I'm going to look for just the Tigers and see how that compares to recent years. But uh, before we do that, uh, I will get one more question, which is from RxBBIN. I don't know, Roxbin. I don't know if you want to pronounce that. It's just basically, what are some of the things the team that need to be changed in order for this team to succeed? We've kind of touched on this a little bit, but I don't know if you guys have any ideas about just what needs to be changed. You look at, I think the outfield as a, as a, if you look at it from a situation of where they're at this year, Robbie Grossman was in the last year's contract. I think some of, you have a Kiel Badu who there's a bright future with him and Riley Green, but then after that, you still have Austin Meadows, but there's still kind of a, I think they're, I think they really need to add another free agent outfielder i really do uh just to make them more competitive in a in an american league that you know you look at what well, you guys talked about the yankees earlier and toronto's no slouch tampa's no slouch the white Sox are so i mean the white Sox windows closing let's let's not kid ourselves here but it, it's it's gonna be tougher you need another power bat and that doesn't exist right now so i think for the tigers to take the next level next step if you will look at the market Maybe have to you may have to trade a minor league pitcher, which that's where it's kind of like where the Tigers are at right now. They have all this pitching, which is great. I saw Gary Hill tonight with ten strikeouts down in Erie, but at, at, of course, there's always this. This is the time of year, and I love what Keen said earlier. This is the time of year where you, all these hypothetical situations were like, well, what if we trade so and so? We trade three of these so and so okay prospects for a big arm. Never happens. Never happens, and quit yeah. thinking it's going to happen. Period. I'm not trying to be like a gatekeeper about it, but stop. But really, it's – I think the Tigers really need to get another bat to solidify themselves at getting into playoff contention. Yeah, and I think um, – yeah, we're about six weeks of this – about six weeks of this baseball away from uh, people talking about uh, what we can get from Michael Fulmer, unfortunately. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, what needs to be changed? What can you change? People always want to change the batting order. They want to DFA guys. They want to send guys down. At a certain point, your roster is your roster. What you need to change is, uh, I don't know, coaches just go, hey, I want you guys to swing at the first pitch every time. Or, hey, don't swing at the first three pitches every time. Like, I, I don't know. Like, just get in guys' heads. It's, I, I don't know if there's an explanation for the complete lack of power this year. I'd love to know if anybody has any ideas about why nobody can hit for any power because uh, other teams are still hitting for decent power. And uh, yeah, yeah. So I, mean, I think the biggest thing now, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I, I, the biggest thing to change right now is can they change their health? I mean, if, can they get guys back? You know, this is a different team. If Casey Mize is taking the ball every time out, this is a different team if, if, if Riley Green's in the outfield. Um, uh, they've, just, they've just been a banged-up bunch. Heck, even if they had Vic Reyes right now uh, hitting 260, <laughs> that would be a help over some of what they have in the lineup. Uh, I think it's just one of those things where we're, we're, we're 20-something games in, give it 50, 60 games, it could look a lot better. Or it look, if it looks the same or worse, then they know. They have to entertain training Michael Fulmer at the deadline, uh, or if Candelario is perked up, trading Jamer Candelario at the deadline. But we're a long way from that. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Uber. And the the thing that you and you mentioned this, Chris, about DFA and players, and, and Hinch is look when somebody asked him before the game the other night about what are the players doing anything extra or anything? He's like, no, they're just doing what they have to do. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but just essentially there's, there's only so much they can do in the matter of time before a ball hits bat, as simple as that rudimentary thing I just said, it, it, it's true. And for Tiger fans right now, I understand the, the hype and getting all excited because they signed a, a premier shortstop who's lived up to his, what he's been able to do. And I, I look, I think that's kind of, I don't know about you guys, but I think that's been kind of forgotten about Baez. Even with games missed, he's certainly has caught up pretty quickly on being an offensive leader. And I can still live with those insane swings outside as long as he's making hard contact or, you know, saving, he saved the first game. If he didn't make those plays, Pirates would have swept both. You can't convince me otherwise. So, like I said, I can't always do well. I'm trying my hardest not to get really overthought with it. I mean, Neil Rule said today about should we panic? And but the but the Tigers have to be playoff contention. Like I said, they would be. We're all realistic about it. Even I think you per you were even you were more you avoided being so cynical, but you knew at the same time like hey 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 hey, hey listen ah something's not right here. So but <laughs> anyway, you know that. That's, I, I, I don't know. Just uh, I want Tiger fans to understand that they have every right to be mad. They have every right to be frustrated. Well, I think I think where he was going is 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 right. You know, and that's kind of where I was. I didn't think this was a playoff team. Uh, I was hoping they could surprise us and make a nice little run at a wild card or or something. Um, and the rest of the division hasn't played that great. So I suppose if they were to reel off some wins, it's possible. I. I but none of it matters until they start to hit, right? I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of yeah. where it is. Uh, if I mean, they start to hit, we can talk. <laughs> I'm just checking in uh, with, with the game for the first time in a while. Tigers have seven hits and a walk tonight, but they have zero runs, of course. 
And meanwhile, Tarek Skubal, six innings, six hits, two earned runs, both on home runs, zero walks, nine strikeouts. That's oh. a that's a Justin Verlander performance, basically. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, but no runs support once again. Many, that uh, number's dropping. How many hits do the Tigers have? Tigers have one double. Robbie Grossman. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so, what, it sounds like it sounds like Terry Scoobles pitching in the '60s right now. Like the remember those yeah. games? Like they were always like, see, Koufax would go in, and the Dodgers, if the other team scored at least one run, the Dodgers are screwed because they couldn't score anything. We might be witness that. Uh, that's that's a little extreme, but still, it's that that's a great start right there. That's a quality start. Well, I was going to say, I mean, this is this Jose Arquiti, who's a solid pitcher, but uh, he hasn't been that great so far this year. And the Tigers, it's just, I'd love to see like a cluster luck chart. If people aren't familiar with that, it's, it's you know, how, how teams uh, cluster their hits and walks together. Yep. You know, a team might have 10 hits, but only one in one an inning and then one after a double play, and it doesn't matter. Uh, so, or they could get three hits, but they're all in a row, and the third one's a home run, and, and you win. So I, I feel like they must have terrible cluster luck this year, because I talked about earlier in an episode earlier that they – actually had a good average with runners in scoring position. They just weren't getting guys there enough. <laughs> so, I don't know. It, yeah, it just feels like one of, the, one of the damnedest things right now and, and the lack of power and uh, the lack of ability to put together rallies. Uh, I understand the incredible frustration from everybody. Um, and I, we, I had two more questions, and these are kind of prospecty questions, but uh, I figured we might as well answer them anyway. And, and, since, and you can help with them, Rahelio, because you were uh, watching one of these players tonight. Uh, this is from Dyer, and he said, I, I had a pair of questions. The first one is, uh, did literally anybody see Gage Workman becoming the next uh, prime Billy Hamilton? Uh, joking, of course, but literally <laughs> nothing in his draft review grades mentioned anything about him being a double-plus base dealer with what's listed as 50-grade speed. Wondering if that caught the Tigers off guard as a pleasant surprise. And uh, and the second question was, what do you view uh, Colt Keith's ceiling for 2022 at? Does he make the jump to Erie? Also, long-term, where do you view him positionally? Seems to be multiple roadblocks at third base with Candy Workman. I'd have him and Pacheco and Kreidler both able to play there. Second base, maybe? Less congestion with only Clemens and potentially Kreidler. Thank you. So, yeah, thank you, Dyer, for, for two uh, fun questions about prospects. I don't know uh, if anybody wants to touch on the Workman thing. I have got a theory about that. but uh... Well, let's see. Uh, what was the second question I cut out there? Oh, sorry. You just about Colt Keith. What 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 do we think about Colt Keith this year and long term where he's going to play? Well, the, the about the in terms of where Keith can play. Honestly, I if he ended up in the outfield, I'd be okay with it. Honestly, um, tonight looked a little a little sloppy early early on. Um, we've seen some games where he has had that, but overall, I think if if he can. He could be a second base too. If all if he keeps that second base because of his range, his range, I'd be fine with that too. But second base outfield, that's that's just my opinion. And as far as far as where Gage Workman's going to go, is that what the other question was? Well, the, the other the Workman question was like, did anybody project him to be this crazy base stealer that he's become? Vince Coleman. Yeah, oh, basically. You no, know, I I didn't. I, I remember. I don't remember any. I you. I know you said he had good speed, but beyond that, I don't remember anything else. Yeah, well, with uh, with. With Colt Keith, uh, and you saw a couple. He had a couple rough plays in the uh, playing second base today. We've seen him in person half dozen times now, maybe more. And uh, he he's capable of playing a solid infield. He's made some really nice plays. He's got a very strong arm, but he's always looked a little stiff to me below the waist, like uh, just just not a ton of uh, I don't know, like agility. I guess you would say 
quick, quick twitch. And I, I don't think his hands are terribly soft either. How is he maturing physically? How big is he getting? Oh, no, he, he is. He, he looks well. He looks stout to me. He looks a little bigger than he did last year. But that's just me. So did he have yeah, to be an ugly second baseman? <laughs> <laughs> well, he he uh, like he's definitely uh, muscular and and yeah, thick. He's got like a barrel chest now, but he he still has decent like range and decent motion. It's just not kind of I don't know how to describe it. Like he's not the guy who's gonna make a quick move and, and range up the middle and get it, although he did the other day. But yeah, I mean, I, I project him to, uh, I, I think he's probably going to work out best as a, a right fielder, at least defensively. But that calls into the question his offensive profile, which is is kind of tough to peg right now because he's a guy who he, um, he, he'll let the ball travel. He, he'll uh, leak open a little early on breaking balls and stuff and kind of swing at something in a way. But he's also a guy who, who will hit hard line drives all over the field. He just doesn't and he's got plenty of power, raw power. He just doesn't put the ball over the fence very often because of his, his swing plane. He's more of a line drive swing guy. You can get away with that probably at second base and to a certain extent third base if you're playing above average defense there. I don't know if that sticks in right field, though. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think we were joking, like, you could be a Michael Brantley outfielder, uh, and it, certainly Tigers fans would take that. But putting that on a 20-year-old in, in high A is, is certainly not uh, – a comp I'm going to make. I don't think he's that level of hitter. Um, I think, you know, he will continue to refine his swing and probably will tap into some power later on. But I think the, the best hope for him may be to stick at second base because it's, although, I mean, now it's a power position. Everything's a power position now, but that might be the one where the, the uh, power is least expected of him. But I do project to right field down the road. Um, and on the workman thing, I think one thing to remember is that he is, pitcher or, or stealing these bases in the minor leagues in, in the new wild west uh, world where you know, the pitchers are only allowed to throw over to first base a certain number of times, or it's an automatic ball or whatever, or something. I don't even know the exact rules there and their pitch clocks now. So they don't have time to mess around with the runners. And so he's, he's a very smart Eddie baseball player with a quick first step. I don't think he's a plus plus runner. He, I wouldn't even, I mean, he might be a above average runner, certainly above average underway, but I don't know if he's going to put up like, you know, plus times down the line. Like we'll have to get some times on him when we go to Erie, but yeah, I think he's just a, a smart guy taking advantage of the rules right now. And he's, he's, he's kind of brazen about it too. He's stolen third base like four or five times. He just goes. Um, and, and that's not the sort of thing that I think is going to, you know, if, if, and when he gets the majors, I don't expect him to be a guy who's going to put up 20, 30 steals a year. I think he'll, he'll steal a base when he can, but I, I don't, think that's a huge part of his game yeah it it, it just it, there's nothing wrong with with Colkey's doing what he's doing right now it, well, you know, if, if power comes hard. last you know the old after is yeah. if power comes last that's okay yeah and, and for guys like keith part of that is just learning when you can really let loose and pull a ball uh, you know the one home run he has this year was 425 feet to dead center field like that's that'll work so yeah you do I don't that know once you probably do it again <laughs> yeah hopefully i don't know if uh <laughs> I don't know if Roger's still there, but I think that was that was it for our questions. You said you had one more umpire thing for me. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> well, I was down there for the doubleheader yesterday, and the umpires in the West Michigan and Lansing series aren't great. I believe uh, they missed uh, – whoops. I tried to add him to the stream, and somehow it disappeared. You there, Rog? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so um, – so, yeah, there was a lot of chirping going back and forth, uh, chirping at the umpire, teams chirping at each other. 
and it, it came to a head in, I don't remember what inning it was last night. Uh, the benches cleared after Bryant Packard hit a deep double and uh, like turned and yelled at the dugout, but it was the Lansing dugout. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. And, and um, <laughs> yeah, it may have just been a mistake. Like he forgot where he was. <laughs> it turned the wrong direction, but it, people didn't like it. But in any event, uh, Chavez Fernandez was pitching and he struck out the batter, but the umpire after the strikeout called, uh, said it was no pitch because a ball had gotten loose from the bullpen mm. out onto the field. Um, but it was like, like that ball, I don't think it was there during the pitch. I think it came out afterward and everybody's like, what? I've never seen this before in my life. And so, so after that, uh, you know, everybody got upset and, uh, Sure. Fernander had to throw like five more pitches to that guy and ended up walking him. And then he like broke a fingernail. And so this trainer had to come out and it made the inning like 10 minutes longer and everybody was super <laughs> upset with the up. And then, yeah, then all hell broke loose. You know, there was the benches clearing and then so the, the, the Whitecaps went up five to three in the seventh inning and Whitecaps pitcher hits the very first Lansing batter in the bottom of the inning. And, and so he gets tossed immediately and Pena gets tossed and it was just, it was an ugly scene. And then the lug nuts went and walked him off. So I don't know. It was just a, that, that uh, kind of strange, uh, no pitch call that we'd never seen before. Yeah. You know, when the, I take it, the, the bullpens are inside the field there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a problem. I mean, we, uh, it happens on our fields too. And that's a two man umpire crew, correct? Yep. Yeah, you're kind of guessing a little bit when that ball got into play, mm-hmm. when you have only two sets of eyes, you know, because um, usually you hear somebody from the dugout from the uh, bullpen down there yell, and then you got to look and you kind of, you're trying to spot the ball. And meantime, a pitch is coming in. Um, so my guess, without having seen it, is he was kind of just estimating where that ball was compared to when that pitch must have been thrown. Uh, he decided to call it off, but yeah, it's a tough one, probably. <laughs> yeah, and and I do sympathize with, like you said, it's a two two person crew. It's that's got to be hard. You, get, you there's only so much you can see. You know, they're doing. I, I always laugh when they have the the second umpire kind of behind the pitcher, confirming if a player swung or not. It's like, is your, yeah, your that's can't be yeah, any better than the home plate umpire? Up. You kind of get a little bit of a feel for it. You try to judge if you could see the the uh, the uh, handle of the bat, you mm-hmm. know, um, and uh, excuse me, the end of the barrel. Excuse me. If yeah, I can, sure. if I if I caught a glimpse of the end of the barrel, I will ring up a swing if if someone asks me. So um, they go hitters, make sure your barrel looks like the rest of your bat. Yes. You, yeah. When it's a you, concave, when it's got the little uh, the concave hole there, that's mm-hmm. really great. That makes my job really easy. Um, <laughs> you make the call. Yeah, but a lot of times, uh, two-man crews uh, on the amateur level, um, some guys don't even want you to ask. Just said, you call it yourself because we can't see anything out there anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's tough. But uh, anyway, yeah, that was that was my other uh, ump story. So nice. I don't know if we have any, anything else to, to contribute. Raj, I don't know if you want to wrap it up. You're good at that. Yeah, let's uh, let's wrap it up because I just stopped in Williamston, I think it is. And it's oh, wow. uh, really scary. Yeah, it's uh, scary out here because the signal kept dropping. Yeah, Williamston. About 20 yeah, minutes so, from me. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for uh, hosting tonight, Chris. Appreciate it with the technology issues. I knew technology would be an issue, but not to the extent that I thought it was. But uh, we'll be out in Erie May 20th through the 22nd, and we'll be doing a live shows out there. When, I, what day, I don't know yet, but uh, 
when Greg put me on a spot, we're going to probably do the Woodward Tigers stuff out there. And this is a minor league report. So, Youper, if you can join us remotely on a Friday or Saturday, you're more than welcome to. That'd be great. All right. Awesome. And uh, as far as content goes, check out all the great content over at woodwardsports.com. And don't forget to check out Chris's articles over at Motor City Bengals. And the Tiger Rally Report website is under it's fit it's technically finished, but we just have to do a couple more things. That's gonna be launching. I thought it was gonna launch Tuesday, but just another double headers kind of screw things off a little bit. But there'll be some content there. And on Sunday, we'll have a new episode of the Minor League Podcast as uh, we have an intern who will be starting with us, and he'll be the producer slash third host, and he's chomping at the bit. I talked to him a little bit today and. David's a good kid, and I have a really good feeling about it. And I'm at the age where I'm calling everybody a kid, and I'm not you, but I'm just like, ah, that's a good kid. Jeez. So, <laughs> um, but uh, at any rate, uh, Chris, is there anything you want to plug? You have coming up article wise? Nothing I can think of. Yeah, just this slow motion, basically. I, I kind of want to figure out why the offense is bad, but I don't know if I can find enough numbers to, <laughs> to justify it. So maybe, I, and I also need to update on the draft because uh, I don't know. It's been like, three months since I've written anything about it and uh, it's, it's coming up in two months now. So. Yeah, that's it. So uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great week, everybody. And like I said, they'll probably, like I said, maybe we'll show Monday or Tuesday and I'll shut up now. Have a good night. <laughs> yeah. Good to hear you.